You're listening to episode 61 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. Whether you're a mom or not, I feel like it's entirely possible you're going to be able to relate to what I'm about to talk about here. So do you ever feel, and this is like from my own personal experience, like you might be thriving in one area, but everything else is falling apart behind the scenes. Like as your business is finally starting to take off and grow the way you want it to, and you're putting your energy there, the kids haven't been bathed in a week. Okay, maybe a week's an exaggeration, but it could happen. The house is falling apart. Like the countertops don't exist anymore because you have crap piling up. You haven't paid the bills. Like there's just so many things to manage. As a mom, for me, I have three little kids and I feel like so often I'm just falling short in an area. So that's why I asked the expert in this particular world, Kendra Hennessy. She is a home management expert positive mother enthusiast and she's the podcast host of mother like a boss and i love what she does and how she does it because she is all about pouring into moms and people who are juggling multiple worlds and helping them put this modern twist on homemaking so they can feel confident as mothers not like they have to be these like pinterest moms or perfect on social media type moms And teaching them, okay, how can you implement some strategies and ways of thinking that you can manage your home and your family and all the other things going on in your life? And she's just empowering so many women through her simple changes that, you know, we can stick with. It's not this overwhelming, like you have to overhaul everything. You've got to create all these new systems. You've got to reorganize the whole house. It's one step at a time. And I know for me, In this conversation with Kendra, I came out feeling empowered. I came out feeling like, okay, I don't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. Like these are simple things that I can do to feel more on top of all these different areas of my life without feeling like I'm falling behind or I'm failing. So I wanted to have Kendra on early in the year because I know that that feeling for me That feeling of overwhelm and like I'm falling behind or I'm not delivering in some area of my life or I'm not managing my home or I'm not, you know, showing up for the kids the way I want to. It affects everything I do in business too. So if we tackle this early in the year and we start to implement some of her strategies, that means that we can thrive in our businesses at higher levels. So let's welcome Kendra to the show. And I think you're going to love this conversation. All right, Kendra, this is the next best thing to dragging you out here to Wisconsin to our house to calm the chaos. So I'm really excited to have you on. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I would come to Wisconsin right now. It's probably not any colder there than it is where I live right now. So <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it's about four degrees at my house right now. All right. So. <laughs> all right. Yep. We're right in the same ballpark. Miserable. Yes. Basically, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So in a nutshell. You teach us how to mother like a boss. Like I love your messages of teaching moms how to manage motherhood and life, but I feel like you do it from a really practical way of teaching and a realistic way of teaching how to keep it all in check. So I'm so curious what led you down this path. Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like it took 
10 or 11 years and also a month at the same time. So it was really weird. It feels like it's been, I've been in this process for a long time, but really the genesis happened within like a month period of time. So a long story short, I started my first business when I was uh, 22. I had no business experience whatsoever. I started a cleaning business. So just a residential, a little bit of commercial cleaning. I was also pregnant at the time. I had just dropped out of college. So that's sort of my like my story very quickly. It was a really ridiculous time from the outside to start a business. But I always say that I think my naivete really helped me in business because I didn't realize that businesses failed. Like I just thought like you start a business and it's successful and that's it. I didn't really know anyone that had started a business and failed. So I think that that naivete actually helped me a lot. So I ran that cleaning business for 11 years. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was it was good. It was successful. We always made money, even during that, that recession time when a lot of luxury-based businesses were really hurting. We actually increased our revenue because a lot of uh, moms went back to work. So a lot of women that normally were staying home or only working part-time actually went back to work. And so they were hiring people to help out in the home just because they now needed someone to help out. So it was about 2015 that I started to notice podcasts. My mom listened to podcasts. And so I started listening to podcasts and anyone that's listening to this podcast or any of them knows that podcasts are a rabbit hole. It's like YouTube. Once you start to watch one thing, it pops up and it's like, you may also like this. So then you're like, okay. So then you listen to another and that's what happened with podcasting. I got down this rabbit hole of people talking about online business. And I thought, wow, that sounds really interesting, but I can't clean people's houses from my home. So probably isn't going to work for me. I kept on listening and I just decided, you know what? I really want to help people in a bigger way. What I noticed in my cleaning business was that as much as moms and dads, because I did have a lot of fathers that I dealt with, of men that I've dealt with and, and not the wives, but what they needed more than anything was a better system. The cleaning, what I found with the cleaning, a lot of times it was a Band-Aid. We were helping with the symptom, but we weren't actually solving the problem. And that happens a lot of times is that people in business as well, you spend so much time trying to band-aid the symptom instead of fix the actual problem. So really in February, January, February of 2016, I created Mother Like a Boss. I wanted to help moms in a bigger way. And at the time, I didn't really know what that was going to look like. I just knew I wanted to empower moms to keep their homes organized. That's what I wanted to do then. What it has, has morphed into now is really put, putting what I call reluctant homemakers back in the driver's seat of motherhood. So that's kind of the, the very short version of how that happened. So it took a long time to get there. But once I did, I made that decision in about a month or two. And then I was off to the races after that. Mm, that makes me want to cheer for you because yeah. <laughs> I want to get into the the meat and potatoes of like what you do and how you could help us as sure. I love the phrase reluctant homemaker, because that's yeah. like, you're hitting the nail on the head. But what I also want to do is make sure I celebrate and acknowledge the fact that anytime I get a chance to highlight it, I love doing it. You took something that was a skill set, maybe a passion, or even maybe a struggle that you've had in the past that you wanted to, to change. You didn't want your life to be a certain way. And you figured out how to monetize it. And even in listening to those podcasts about online business, and you had those initial thoughts of, well, I clean people's homes in person. I'm a service-based business. This doesn't really apply to me, but it's really cool. It's the evidence that 
anything can be monetized in the online business space. Like for people listening in that are leaning into those excuses of why they can't or shouldn't, or it won't work for them. It's BS. You have the opportunity to learn online business. And like you said, in a month's time, put the wheels in motion, not necessarily find success in a month, but build something. So I just had to cheer you on for that because that's like my favorite thing in the world. Thank you so much. And I absolutely agree. I tell people all the time, especially people who make excuses about, well, I can't start a business. No one needs that. I don't have a skill set. I say, I make, we're, we're going on seven figures that we're going to we're aiming towards very soon, teaching people how to clean and manage their homes and lives. If I can do that, anybody can teach anything um, because there are people out there that need what you have. And that's something that so many people just don't take into account. They see people doing things that are like the very grandiose in nature, but they don't think of the people that are like teaching other people how to knit and how to crochet or how to, uh, you know, I don't know, create gift baskets. Like all of those people are making money doing that because somebody needs that skill set. And I think it's really nowadays, I mean, now we have no excuse with the internet. Anybody can teach anyone how to do anything. And I think that that makes us all uh, even better because now we can gain skills that before we didn't even have the ability to do. Uh, Yep. You're, you got it. And the thing that's funny is it's not a coincidence that you are the third person in the organizing space that we're having on the, on the show. Yeah, because, because you all have different approaches, but the the theme that I see is that this is what we as business owners are so desperate for. Like, I know you got to walk me through this because I run two businesses. If you include my husband's, there's a third and we often feel like we're drowning and we've had organizers into the home, but what you're talking about, like having those systems in place that it can be ongoing because it, it can't just be the bandaid. And I think a lot of listeners are going to relate to this because the area where we feel like we're falling behind most is in our home. And that affects everything. I I feel so pulled to motherhood and my business naturally. Those two things first, to my family and to my business. So I don't prioritize the house stuff, which means that it always feels rushed. It always feels like I'm squeezing it into pockets that don't exist. The, The list, the laundry list, literally, and every other list is a million miles long. So I never feel like I've accomplished something because I still have a thousand other things I should be doing. And that's with caring deeply and acknowledging that my environment directly affects my work. It affects my relationships. So that's even knowing that I care about my environment and I still can't seem to get it in check. So where do I start? Yeah, that's, first of all, that is very common. <laughs> and I know that you've had, you had Allie on, right? Allie yeah, Kasaza. Yeah. yeah, so she's one of my best friends and she's amazing. And so the reason I bring that up is because she is always talking about the fact that, you know, you buy things twice, you buy it with your money and then you buy it with your time. And the same goes for everything in our home that we're literally spending we're investing our energy and our time into things like our home. And if you're not careful with the way that you're investing it, then you're going to lose it and you're not going to be able to get it back. So there are two paths that I sort of go down with the way that I I 
teach and empower moms. One is strategy-based. So one is more of the systems and the routines that you have to get into place. Um, I'm huge on routines. I sort of have this rally against to-do lists. And the reason is because I am a self-proclaimed to-do list junkie. Like I love lists. I have about 9,000 different kinds of pens, notebooks, and paper. And I like a good list on my phone and I used to get very consumed with those. The problem is that with to-do lists, they're endless and there's no end to them, meaning that you never actually feel accomplished and you're, you're not prioritizing what needs to get done. So there's more of the strategic end of let's figure out how to systemize and put some routines in place that you can be consistent with. The other side of it, which is about 50% of it, is the mindset side. Because mindset is the foundation that you build your entire life on. You build, you build your business on it you build your home, your motherhood relationships, because if you have beliefs about the way that things are supposed to go, every single thing that you do is going to tie back to that because we will find evidence in every area of our life to prove the beliefs that we have. So a great example of this is if you believe I am the mom and I have to get all the things done. I I have to be the one to do everything. I have to create these long lists and I have to get it all done then you're constantly going to be using that belief to create and find the evidence of why that is true. So you're going to create long lists because why well, have to? That's my, I, I'm the mom. I have to get all these things done. I don't have a choice. But if you have a belief that I don't have to get it all done, I'm allowed to just get some things done that are a priority to me. I'm allowed to set boundaries with other people and myself so that I'm only getting the things done that are a priority. Then you will start to live a life and start to find the the strategies and the systems that work to create that belief. That's the evidence that you'll find for that. So mindset and strategy work together. And that's why I focus so heavily on both and not just one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I believe that so deeply in in all things, in our businesses and in our health, in our marriage, all that. So let's talk strategy for a minute. Talk to me, the mom of three kids, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a 10-month-old who is running businesses. We bought this farm property that is a lot to take care of. It's just like life. Like There's so much. And I'm not passionate about the, the keeping my home together. I'm passionate about it being together, but I'm not excited to be the one to facilitate it. So talk me through some strategy. Like I need guidance on what are some things I can start to implement, not in a to-do list fashion, but in a systemized processy, like you do these things over time, you have this way of thinking about them. Here's, here's a place you can start. Cause like literally before we hopped on this call, I was so pissed because my desk was a mess, like stacked with papers and books and notebooks. And it was so cluttering my brain that I literally like in the movies took my arm and went onto the floor into a box so that I could hide it because it's so distracting to me. But I don't have a system in place to like keep it in check. I do. My organizer helped me do it, but then I don't keep it in check. So then that, that as actually not a system, that's actually a mindset Mm -hmm. issue. So that's what's interesting is that a lot of people think I just need a better system. This is the thing I hear all the time what routine should I put in place? They give me their whole life story. Well, what routine is going to change that? And I say, 
uh, well, that's not really a routine issue. That's more, you're going to have to fix the procrastination and the perfectionism and the, the need to be in control of everything. You're going to have to fix that first because a system, again, it's just a bandaid. It's just a bandaid that we're putting on. So the reason that I say that is because the desk being, you know, cluttered up. So if your organizer came in, I'd love to know just like super quick, like what, what things did she put in place for you? Like, what do you find doesn't work? Well, the thing that's tricky is when we lived out in Boston, she lived nearby. So we could have these touch points because she would come back out and say, all right, which systems didn't click for you? And what things did you find like you were pushing back on? Well, I dragged her butt out here to Wisconsin, but it was like a one time, you know, hit because she had to go back out East. So I haven't had that second touch point of like, okay, here are the areas where I'm still really struggling because she's amazing, but I struggle with this. So some of the things that we didn't hit my office too much because she did the whole house and it's Mm. a big space. So the kitchen is like, it's sticking. I mean, stuff ends up on the counter, but ultimately we can like flush it out because we know how we're going to operate in there. For some reason, my office is like a beast. The drawers are well organized. We have all the little separators in it. I have like a wall of built-ins behind me that have cabinets and those cabinets have boxes within them that are labeled. So all that stuff is working. It's like the new stuff comes in on my desk that I'm working on. I can't file it away because I'm using it and I'm very much a pen to paper person. Unfortunately, I wish I was more digital, but it's like the stuff that's in play is what I struggle with most. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. So that paints a better picture. So what I usually say is that, because I have the same thing with my desk so that obviously you can't see my desk and I can't see yours, but I have like an L-shaped desk. So I have a lot of space that I could definitely clutter up because I like notebooks and I'm also a pen to paper kind of person. So what I do is when stuff comes in, if it can be filed away, I immediately do it. Like that's my touch point. We do the same thing with our mail. I don't open my mail in my house. I open it in my garage where my garbage can and my recycling bin is because Mm -hmm. I don't want anything coming into my house that is not absolutely necessary to be in my home. So if it's junk, it's going in the recycling bin. If I can open something up and look at it and go, oh, that's great. Rip it up. I don't really need that. Or if I can put it into my phone immediately, it takes me two to three minutes tops every day to just do that. And I eliminate having all of that clutter come in. The same thing goes for my desk. So if I bring something into my desk, it has to have a spot, has to have a home. Mm -hmm. So even if you have stuff that's like, I'm, I'm working on this right now, you can have a little bin or a basket that's like, this is the stuff I'm working on right now. Even they make the stackable files that you can put in, which I'm all for. If you have things that are, you're constantly sort of like, "Mm, I'm just working on this right now. Everything else has to to go away. That can work anywhere in your home. So you said your kitchen is really great, probably because you already have that system in place. Everything has a home where it goes. So even if it gets a little bit cluttered, because we live lives, like, listen, we're not, I have two kids too. Like things during, during certain times of the week, there's more stuff on the counter. And then I just take the time to go, okay, everything has to be put back to where it belongs. What I've found is that usually systems don't work because number one, there's too many steps involved for people to be consistent with them. And like, I'm thinking of like the the kitchen. So like a system usually doesn't work for the kitchen because there's no home for something. So people will say, I have all my appliances out on my kitchen counter and it looks cluttered. Well, that's usually because there's no home for them to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, So find a home for your stuff 
and then have the least amount of steps involved in the system. Many people way overcomplicate organization and routines. They way overcomplicate the steps. They think that there have to be like multi layers of it and that they, that it involves like labels and having like special bins and baskets. All organization is, is keeping you on task with a system so that you don't, it doesn't overflow with, with clutter and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would for like for you, for your desk, like what stuff clutters it up? Like that would be my question is what is the stuff that you're constantly working on? Is there just one notebook that you can put it in if you're pen to paper instead of it being all a bunch of papers? Okay. So here was my attempt at what this is going to be so dumb. Okay. I was like working in one notebook, but I have yeah. so many different facets, facets to my businesses. I have two that I'm like fully operating and I would have a call with one person and I'd take notes in this notebook and then I'd have, it, you know, do a training on something and I'd take notes in the notebook. And then I like couldn't find anything because it was all just like a hodgepodge. So then I was like, I know what I'll do. I will get a different notebook for each category of the stuff I need to do. So I have like seven notebooks and they are, I'm using them a lot. So they're like, on my desk. And then I'll do a training or I'll create something for my clients and I'll need to kind of tweak it. So I print it out. So it's a piece of paper that I'm like working. So it's like just a bunch of like paper notebooks. So can all of those things just be stacked up and put in a basket? Sure. But like, what the heck? Why don't I do that? Exactly. That's where the system comes into place with the mindset because there's, there's always a reason we don't do anything unless we're getting something for it. So we don't ever make a, we don't ever continue, even bad habits, you know, quote unquote bad habits. We don't do them unless we're getting something for them. Like there's a reason that we do everything. So this is why organization on its own doesn't work if we don't work on the other stuff as well. This is why I said to people like, you can't just put a routine or an organizational system into place and then be like, okay, that's it. I don't have to work on that anymore. Because if you don't work on the root of it, then it's not really going to stick. So that you're the question to me of like, why can't I do that is usually the question I ask back to people. Like, I don't know, why can't you do that? <laughs> like, what is the reason? Because a lot of people don't want to ask themselves those questions because they're usually it usually sends you down that spiral, that rabbit hole. And that's what I want people to do. I want people to go down a, a spiral, not in a negative way, but get to the root of why it's so hard to put something in a basket because we, we shame and judge ourselves for things like that. I'm so lazy. I procrastinate. How come I can't do this? Why can other people do this? It seems so simple. I don't understand why I can't just get my ish together. And so that shame just kind of sends us down a really negative path. But I don't look at it from a shame standpoint. When I ask those questions, I want you to look as like, I always say just like an observer. Like if you were just observing yourself, why is it so hard to put this stuff in the basket? Instead of why is it so hard for me to do that? Well, why is it? What is the reason? Like when I look at that stuff, what do I think? Am I shaming myself? Am I judging myself? Am I thinking if I do this and I get it all together, how long is it going to be before I don't? And then I'm going to feel like a failure. So why don't I just not do it all together? And then I don't have to worry about that. There's so many, I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah. Be. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's like, my mind goes to a bunch of different things, but I think the, the frustration or the shame piece is definitely there because I'll lock it like right before this, this interview, I was like, duh, this is so frustrating. Like, why is my desk a disaster? And just psh, threw it all in a box, which ultimately is 
some level of organization because all that stuff is like at least in one place where I know yeah. where it is. All right. So from the angle of like motherhood is tough within this department because kids come with a lot of stuff. Like <laughs> we have, Correct. you know, like our mudroom, like we have it organized. They each have their own bin, but they're so little. Like if I'm not my oldest and, and my two-year-old actually can do it when they're in a mode of actually listening to us. But it's just, it's a, especially living in Wisconsin, the winter that it's like a lot of baggage. There's hats mm-hmm. and gloves and this and that, and it's wet and it's gross. So you leave it out and it's, it's just like the whole house becomes, you know, we're kind of a culture of stuff where the Amazon prime culture, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds like that could be useful or that I want it or that I need it. And in two days it's on my doorstep but that's an accumulation. This isn't like consumable stuff that we're consuming and then it's going away. This is stuff right. that's piling up in our home that's not growing with the amount of stuff that's growing. So like, how do you handle that? Are you are you like a minimalist? Do you have certain like guidelines or rules? Do you purge at certain times of the year? Like what's your process with that? Yeah, it's funny. I consider myself a minimalist the same way that my friend Ali Kazaza considers hers. I'm not legalistic about it. I don't need to count how many pairs of socks I have and then shame myself for having too many. Like I don't I don't need to look at it from a legal a legalistic standpoint with numbers. I consider myself a minimalist in the sense that I don't want my stuff to own me and I don't want my stuff to own our time. So if I'm starting to notice that any area of our home or life is being taken up by too much, then it's time to get rid of it. And so we've just, I have at the time of recording this, I have a 12 year old and a six year old. So they've just grown up in a house where a few times a year, we just like take the bags, whip them and go, time to go through our stuff and get rid of things at toys, books, let's donate, let's go through clothes. And so because we have built that into their life, it's not uncommon for them. It's not a punishment. It's not something that we're doing to make them feel badly about themselves. It's more of just, Hey, we had these things. They served us when they served us. They were fun to play with, but maybe now they're broken, we're missing pieces, or we just don't use them anymore. So in order to make more space for us to enjoy ourselves, to enjoy our lives, for more stuff to come in, like we're just on the on the cusp of Christmas. So this is always the time of year where we just go through and get rid of things. And my son has more toys. My daughter now at 12 doesn't really have toys, but she still has stuff, art, a lot of art supplies. So she goes through her art supplies and just goes, yeah, these are all like worn down. I don't need these anymore. I can donate these. I don't really use these books anymore. And so to me, it's more of a culture that we've created in our home. And I'm big on creating a culture for yourself and for your home based on your values and your priorities. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having stuff, but if your stuff is consuming your time, if your stuff is frustrating you, if your stuff is creating rifts in relationships, then we have to then ask ourselves, how important is that stuff? Because my time is far more important than my stuff. My relationship with my children, far more important than my stuff. So it's sort of both. Like I look at it from the standpoint of how we can set up systems. Like we live in upstate New York. So the winter thing, totally get for a good six months out of the year. There's hats, there's boots, the jackets and the wet, everything. Everything is wet and muddy and all that stuff. So we just have a system for when we come in the door and from the time that they were little, when they're young, it's a lot of work. And I know that, but I look at it this way now as someone who has an almost teenager that I bought my time back 
because now I don't have to remind her and I don't have to remind my six-year-old. He walks in the door, his boots go off, his mittens come off, they go in one spot, he hangs up his coat. It's like clockwork now. It wasn't like that in the beginning. In the beginning, it was like, don't go upstairs without taking your boots off. Remember, we take our boots off. Remember, we take our coat off. Nope, we don't do that. No, And it feels really difficult, but I look at it this way. If I put the time in now, how much time am I going to gain back later? Because if I don't put the time in now, I will be doing this when they're 12, 13, 14, 15, then I'll have a teenager that isn't doing it because we never put the time into creating those systems. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I'm curious too, like, I liked how you touched on, you know, a couple, however many times a year where you just like pull the bag out and say, okay, it's time to declutter. Cause in my mind, it's this beast. I'm like, okay, looking at a calendar, what week can I take off to declutter my home? And that's stressful to me. Cause I'm like, I don't want to take a week off to like deal with this. And I've done that in the past where it's literally been like this massive overhaul versus just touch points that keep things in check. Do you have a suggestion for, you know, how often to do it? Or is it like the first Monday of the month or do you, what's your strategy? So my personal strategy, it's more of a gut feeling, but I don't recommend that everyone do that because if you're not really on a path or you feel like very, if you feel overwhelmed by managing your home in any way, then I don't recommend just going based on like, well, I feel like there's too much. I've gotten to that point because over time I've, I've learned and I have experience with cleaning and organizing and all that stuff. What I would suggest is like, you could just choose one day a month and you could say for 30 minutes on that day, we're going to get rid of stuff. Like it could be the last Sunday of the month. Okay. It's the last Sunday of the month. And so, you know what we do on the last Sunday of the month? We go through and we see if we can each fill up one bag of stuff that we can donate and maybe one bag of stuff that we want to throw away. And just, and then what that becomes is like, it's a routine. And then your children over time will look forward to that. Like it will be something that just like anything else, they're like, oh, yep, that's just, this is what we do on the last Sunday of the month or on Monday evenings, we go through and we just see, hey, is there anything that we don't need? Can we just throw things out? It does not have to take a whole week. It doesn't even have to take a whole day. It could literally be 30 minutes of your time because 30 minutes of time is better than no minutes of time. It's Mm -hmm. how I look at cleaning. It's how I look at anything that you're doing in your life. Um, I tell myself that about working out all the time. I'm like, oh, I don't have time for an hour long workout. Who said you have to work out for an hour? Like you can work out for 15 minutes if you wanted to, but we get into these like perfectionists. It's all or nothing. Well, I don't have time for an hour. So I guess I don't have time for anything. It's like, no, you have, if you have 15 minutes, like you can just, you can get a lot done in that time. If you just set a timer, I am big on timers. I think kids love time. Adults love timers. I do too. But my kids love them. Like I just did one with my son the other night because he had had his cousin over and they took a bunch of toys out and I felt like he didn't really put them away very well when he was here. And so I said, Hey buddy, 20 minutes, putting the timer on. Let's see if you can beat the clock. And they love it because it's fun. And it's, it's something that feels like a game to them instead of just saying, go clean up your room. So, and I love timers too, because when I put a timer on for 20 minutes to do something, I focus my attention only on that thing because I know eventually the timer will go off and then I won't have to do it anymore. So I can focus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. We just did the same thing with my four-year-old with the timer and cleaning up the living room. And he 
was obsessed. Like he was so fi- he's very competitive. He was like kept yelling into the kitchen to my husband like how much time is left? How much do I have? Like come on mom, like rallying the troops. Whereas typically it's like Jack pick up your toys. Jack pick up your toys like 50 <laughs> times and he's totally ignoring us and it's exhausting and we're frustrated with him and he's, you know, frustrated. So I love the idea of timers. What tips do you have or thoughts for our entrepreneurs listening in? Like this permeates into business. I know because I have them and I'm not organized in them. So that's stressful too, like managing clients or products or launches or staying ahead. Like that's a big area where I struggle. And I'm finally, now that I have a team and an operations director that like keep me in check, that's the reason that I'm on top of it now. Whereas a couple of years ago, I'd be like, I want to launch this thing next week. I guess I got to like stay up all night for the next four nights and get everything done where now we kind of foresee our strategies and what's coming down the pike. But curious what your thoughts are from like the entrepreneurial angle, especially, you know, you run your own business too. Yeah. I think that the, the go-to answer a lot of times for people is like hire a team. And I, I have a team as well. And I could not do what I do now without a team. But if for people that that are just starting out too, I'm just going to talk to them for one second. If you're just starting out, out, I don't recommend that you jump right into hiring a team because you have to create your own systems and you have to figure out what works for you in order to teach someone else. So I want you to imagine for a second teaching a child to tie their shoes, even though you have never learned how to tie your shoes. That would be, that's the equivalent of getting a team before you actually know what works in your business, before you actually have systems and standard operating procedures and even very, very minimal ones, things that you know work and things that you know don't work, things that you want to work a certain way and things you don't want to work a certain way. You have to have those in place first before you can get someone else to come in. Oftentimes, I think people look at a team as like a savior, like, oh, if I got a team, like it would just save me from having to do all this. But I have to be on top of my stuff in order for my team to be good at what they do. If I'm not up on having our systems in place, then my team can't do their job. Yeah. So I think I just want to say that first because I know that that tends to be the thing. And when you look at someone like like me or Elizabeth here, like we have a team now, but there was a time when we didn't have a team. And so I like to make sure like people understand you don't always have to have one. I will say that I totally understand what you mean about. The like, oh, I want to launch this thing. I should probably get to work and do that. Even with my business being as far along as it is now, sometimes I do that. Now I just have a team that I then frustrate by going, hey guys, uh, quick pivot. We're just <laughs> going to do a little something different. And they're like, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> so I will say sometimes that still does happen. But what has helped me now is I plan planning time. So I actually yes. plan out my planning time. Mm -hmm. where I give myself like one day a month where all I do is plan out what I want. It's fun for me because I love to plan. So I get to sit down and I have no other job other than looking at the calendar and looking at the best podcast episodes that we have. And okay, well, what are people really seeming to be interested in? And like, I give myself that time to plan instead of waking up every day and being like, what should we do this week? should we do today? Really giving myself that time. And I feel like a not enough business owners give themselves actual planning time, like plan time. And it seems ironic, but put that in your calendar. 
like on the first Monday of the month, that is my CEO planning day. I am going to sit down and plan out what I want for that month or what I want for the quarter, however long it is for you. But putting that in place saves you a little bit from that just jumping up and saying, "Mm, I want to do this thing. And now I'm going to have to work 24 hours a day for the next seven days. Yeah. I can attest to the whole theory of bringing on a team and not having systems in place and wasting a ton of money. Because what I did for years was I had a team, but I would just throw stuff at them and fill their hours with basically like filling holes in the business, like whatever was my fancy that week of what I thought I was going to launch. So it was always playing defense. We were never playing offense. Yes. It was just like a super react and everybody was stressed. I was stressed. I was ticked off because I was like, I'm paying these people and we're not getting the results we want, but it was like 100% coming from the top down. And we didn't have, like, I tried different, you know, I tried Asana. I tried Google streak. I tried like so many different customer management systems and different, and none of it spoke to me. And it wasn't until we found Trello and gave it like a real shot that I was like the organization gods, like the skies opened and angels were singing. And I was like, Oh my God, I think I can actually do this after eight years in business. I can actually do this. And our team is so much more efficient. We're so much more like we're producing, we're getting better results and my money is being more well spent and they're so much happier and I'm so much happier. It's like, you're so you're totally right with that piece because yeah, you like, I kept waiting for them to solve my problems instead of coming up with solutions to my problems and then implementing those solutions and having systems for my team to operate from. So, and I love the planning day. I put white space in my calendar for like creation just to like Mm. think and brain dump ideas and see how I want them to come to life. But I like the idea of sitting down and I do on Sunday nights, sit down with my calendar for the upcoming week. But I love the idea of like once a month having like a planning day where you're actually getting strategic with what's coming down the pike for you or or what you want to be bringing to fruition eventually, like not like a tomorrow, guys, all hands on deck, drop everything you're doing where we're panicking and trying to make this thing happen. So there are times of that, but certainly less now that we have a, a little more well-oiled machine. So yeah. those, those are great strategies. I love that. Yeah. The white space is such a good idea. I'm really trying to implement that more into my business because when you start to scale your business, you actually have more free time. And so when I have more free time, I feel like, oh good, I can serve my audience more because I'm not so focused on having to get all these things done because I'm scaling and things are very automated. I like to give myself a little bit of space now, I found, to just create things in the moment. Because I will say that a trap that I fell into was trying to over plan, because that's definitely my tendency and my personality type. I love to plan. The problem is that I didn't give myself enough space for creativity, where, you know, and in any given moment, things can change. You can have like a, an experience while you're out at Target and then you're like, this would make a really funny Facebook Live and it's really like apt for my audience. But you're so focused on like, well, this week I'm talking about this, so I can't do that. Like, no, I, I want to have that space, that white space to kind of like think and, and dream and create. So I really like that. And I will also say that to tie this into home management and homemaking, The same goes 
for running your home and, and delegating to your children or a spouse, the same way that you were talking about your team in the beginning, which I completely relate to, but like, what can I fill your hours with? Instead <laughs> of like, what can you take off my plate so that we're running efficiently? A lot of us are doing that in our homes as well. Mm-hmm. We're literally just barking orders at our children, but we're not actually teaching them. We're not training them. We have no systems. We have no standard operating procedure. We have no value system. We have no priorities. It's just like, well, my kids need to help go clean up your toys. Don't do that. And I fell into that trap as well. And what I realized was that this is a top-down approach. And how can I expect my kids to be contributing to the home and for us to be working as a cohesive team if as the team captain or the coach, I have never taught them what to do. It would be like a team of people going out to play football and you've never taught them how to play football. And you're like, here's a ball, go play. I don't know why you're not playing right. Like go, just do it. That's what we do a lot of times to our teams in business and also in our homes. They tie together a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, they marry each other very much. And usually if you're a cluster in your house or in your business, it's, it's happening in the other areas too. It's right. It's a big piece mindset. So if you're struggling in that mindset in one area, you might be struggling in another. Well, this is amazing and so helpful and kind of took a lot of the pressure I've been putting myself, uh, putting on myself about this because you're right. It's not something to like judge or shame yourself on. It's just like, get to the root of the problem and figure out ways to solve it that work for you and your family. And I think for me, I would judge it from the angle of like, I'm not being a good wife or I'm not being a good mom because I can't seem to have it all perfect. And it doesn't help that I can go on social media, which I now hardly consume. I put content out, but I very rarely consume it. And seeing all these bloggers and Instagram people who like literally spend their whole, this is like their, their life. Like this is what they do to make it all look perfect and pretty. And I'm like, I'm not even in the ballpark of that. And then I have to rein it back in and say, well, that's not my life. That's not my goal. That's not my vision for how I want to spend my time or what I even want to teach my kids. But how can I find something that works for me and not really worry about what other people are doing or what other people think about what I'm doing? You know, so this is, brings me back to that. So thank you for that piece of it. It's yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The comparison thing, I just told one of my students, cause she said the almost word for word, what you just said. And the thing that I'm starting to do with myself now is I take that person out of the equation. And I say, if I never, if I had never seen that post, if I never knew that person. If that person had never said something to me, whatever the situation is, would I be happy with my current situation? And if the answer is no, because sometimes the answer is no, it's like, no, I'd still be frustrated. Then it has nothing to do with them. And it has to do with the actual situation. And awesome. Now you can just ignore what they're doing and go, okay, I can jump in and fix our systems or fix the way that we do things or open up more communication with my husband, whatever it is. But a lot of times what happens is this happens in business a lot where I'll do something that I'm super proud of and I'm so happy that we did it. And then I see one other person that did something else and I'm like, Ugh, all of a sudden now I feel bad. So what I've started doing, if I never saw that, would I be happy with our results? Yes. Okay. Then it doesn't, then it doesn't have anything to do with that. And I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. And so mm-hmm. it does take a little bit of, of willpower and it also takes a lot of practice, but it's a really interesting game to play with yourself to say, if that thing never existed, would I be happy with my life right now? 
a lot of times the answer is yes. And that's where you can start to like build a really great life and business is when you stop comparing yourself to, yeah, those Pinterest bloggers are like, that's all they're doing. They're doing that all day long. Like they're creating all of this for like, that's their job. And that's not my job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So for our listeners, any like good resources, like books you've read on this topic or, you know, speakers that you've heard on it or like things that kind of sparked your interest on pursuing this, anything that comes to mind along your journey that you've stumbled across? Yeah. So one of my favorite books of all time, I think I've read it about 10 times. I've listened to the audio book, probably just as many, is You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. One of my absolute favorite books, I think that it is incredibly empowering for anybody. So it's not just women or moms or business owners. It's everyone. You can take whatever you need from that book, but it's very empowering. She's funny. It talks about mindset and empowerment and success in a way that's very approachable. And it doesn't seem too like woo-woo and spiritual, even though I do like that stuff. It's not too much of that. It's very fun and it's changed my life. The other book that I always recommend is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, because especially since you say, you, you know, you're talking about scaling, which is like, it really is a big leap. It's leaping from like six figures to seven figures, which is like that whole, what got you here won't get you there. And there's a lot of upper limit issues that come into play where we kind of sabotage ourselves because we're like, well, I feel really comfortable here, but over there it's going to feel really scary and uncomfortable. So the big leap really just helped anytime I need like a little talking to when I can feel myself pushing through my upper limits, I reread chapter two in that book and it like reinvigorates me. Uh, The other person, Elle Robbins, is just a fantastic person to follow on social media. Like she's just amazing. I love her. I love everything she puts out. I read every one of her books. I want to hire her as my 24-7 life coach. I just want her to be next to me all the time. So when I start to get into like a oh, this isn't working, like a self-victimizing mode, I can just turn to her and she can just smack me with her amazing words. And that's what I want in life. (laughs) And then she'll just like start counting down from five every time you need to do something. She's just a personal timer. Exactly. Like, I don't want to send this email. And she's like, five, four, three, two, one. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. That's what I need. (laughs) She's awesome. I saw, I've read her books and I, I saw her speak once and she was excellent live too. She's really great. She took the stage in sneakers and like a poofy, like tutu-like skirt and like a like an Oxford button-up shirt. I'm like, you are amazing. You just do you, girl. I love it. Yeah, she is. She is goals for me. Like that's my ultimate goal. We have a lot of speaking goals in Mother yeah. Like Boss. A lot of like we want to do a lot more speaking. And she's just goals. She's amazing. She like commands a stage, and she's just who she is. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can. Uh, business owners can learn a lot from just like being who you are and not apologizing for it. Absolutely. I totally yeah. agree. So where can people come find you? Cause I'm absolutely certain they will want to after this interview. Well, thank you so much. I think the best place to go is motherlikeaboss.com. That's okay. my website. That's where you can find all the good stuff. Uh, our podcast, you can, you know, there's, you can click the link on our website to go listen to our podcast. We have about 180 episodes as of now. So there's plenty to choose from um, and a variety of topics on motherhood. And we even talk about business, a lot of mindset, 
And then follow me on Instagram at Mother Like Boss because that's basically where I am all the time is Instagram. I do a lot of content on there and stories and lives and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kendra. You're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. It was both inspiring and freeing, but also practical. Like I have some things that I can put into play that don't stress me out, but will, (laughs) will serve my purpose. So thank you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.